Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled You Can Do It and, and we're going to talk about the ability and potential each and every one of us have. When Abshner Zalman wrote the Tanya, he wrote two Sepharim. He wrote a Sefer Shel Tzadikim, a book of the righteous, and he wrote a separate book called Sefer Shel Benanim, the book of the average person. He was instructed by one of his fellow colleagues to um, dispose of Sefer Shel Tzadikim to not share with anyone because it wasn't something um, that was ready for the masses. And our task here is Sefer Shel Benanim. Our task is to be that average person. And let's not re re forget the introduction of Tanya. On the front page of Tanya it says that everything we're learning here is here to explain one verse. Anyone familiar which verse? The whole Tanya is here to explain? It's, uh, it's, near, it's, near, it's close to you. Outstanding. And I'd even like it if you could look back if you could look back to page um, XVI. Says this is the title page that was written by Reb Schneer Zalman, page XVI, and it says Sefer Likutei Amarim, Part One, entitled Sefer Shel Benanim, the Book of the Average Person, compiled from sacred books and from sages, exalted saints whose souls are in Eden, based on the verse. The whole Tanya bases itself on the verse, Kikarov Elecha Hadavar Me'od, for it is exceedingly near to you. Also in your mouth, in your heart, to do. Torah is extremely close to you. <clears throat> the, the ability for you to control yourself, the ability for you to follow fully what the Torah says is something that is exceedingly, it doesn't say you can do it, it's, it says it is exceedingly close. Naturally it seems very far and that is what the Tanya is here to do. And that is what we're going to start discussing today. Today we're discussing not the task of the Tzaddik, the righteous. We're not discussing the task of the opposite of righteous. Today we discuss the intermediate, the average person. We were all created to work. There was a girl in San Diego about 15 years ago who wanted to commit suicide. And her parents took her to many doctors, therapists, rabbis, and unfortunately no one was able to help. And they contacted a rabbi, a Chabad <coughs> rabbi there, after a slew of rabbis and had, had already been contacted, a young man at the time, and they asked him to go and visit this girl. The parents said, please, we don't, we're, we're basically, we've done all we can. Talk to our girl. Explain to her. Convince her out of it. And the rabbi is thinking, he shared the story, he says, what can he say that has not been told to this young lady? What could he do to try and share with her the value of life? He goes to visit her and essentially the discussion they had, and thank God it was a successful one, 
was that to be human means to have challenges. To be alive means to have challenges. If you don't have challenges, you're not alive to a certain extent. So the tasks and the challenges we all have is part of, is, is part of life. We're going to learn soon that Hashem loves when we have challenges. Hashem wants to see us take those challenges and succeed. Right? When a child for the first time has a challenge to walk, we're all so thrilled. When a child for the if a child always gets A's and he comes home with an A, the parents won't be so ecstatic. If a child got a B and he comes home with an A, all of a sudden, there's a new energy. So being alive comes and essentially means to, be, to have those challenges. Before we talk about the Bainini, I want to make one remark about last week's class. Last week we discussed the Russia, the wicked person. And we naturally are not wicked. At birth and throughout life we are holy. Even at death, no matter what happens, we are holy. A while back, unfortunately a person who had sinned during his life passed away. And there became a debate amongst a group of people. Do we care about that person? Are we going to finance, are we going to help his burial? The whole debate. Of course, no matter who you were during your life, unless with the Torah, the Torah does give some clauses, but a Jew is a Jew. And you're born a Jew and you die a Jew. So although last week we discussed that some people, yes, could go off, off the path, I just want to reiterate and clarify that certainly we are born holy and we will pass away holy. Okay, back to our back to our conversation that had the Bainini, the intermediate. The intermediate. Let's let's look at it inside. We are at chapter twelve, page forty-eight, and we're going to discuss the person who we all can be, as the title is. You can do it. Let's look inside. Chapter 12, page 48. The Bainani, the intermediate, is he in whom evil never attains enough power to capture the small city. So step number one we need to know is, we all could be the Bainani, but who is this person we could be? It's someone that, yes, there is evil inside. But the evil never has the power to control you. The evil never has the power so as to close itself in the body and make it sin. There could be, there could, there's a fight. We all may have negative emotions, but we all have the power to control those emotions. Let's see, let, let's see that inside. That is to say, the three garments of the animal soul, namely thought, speech, and action, originating in the klipa, the thought, speech, and action from the animalistic soul, do not prevail within the bainani. Do not prevail within him over the divine soul. The thought, speech, and action of the animalistic soul does not prevail 
in the Bainani. The divine soul does not allow it to prevail. It does not, pre to the extent of closing itself in the body, where in the body? In the brain, in the mouth, and in the other 248 parts. What is the breakup? Why is it broken up into three parts? Brain, mouth, and 248 parts? Thought, speech, and action. Fantastic. Brain. The animalistic soul doesn't touch your brain, your thoughts, your mouth, your speech, or 248 parts, your action. Thereby causing them to sin and defiling them, God forbid. The, the Benini, each one of us can be this person, is someone that our thoughts, speech, and action is not going to be controlled by the animalistic soul. Excuse me, cannot, is not. What did you just say? Is not. Okay. Because there is, there is negativity within you. That negativity is, is strong. But the godly soul prevails over it. So yes, I think the correct wording would be does not. It does not. Uh, does not. So who does control the thought, speech, and action only? The three garments of the divine soul, the godly soul, they alone are implemented in the body. It is the thought of the godly soul, the speech of the godly soul, an act of godly soul engaged in the 613 commandments of the Torah. That is what you're caught up with. The Benini does have bad in the left ventricle. Within the left part of his heart, the bad still exists. Not only does it exist, we're going to learn it could be it could be a fire. It could be on fire. But the Bainani is able to control it. We're now going to see a paragraph that seemingly is going to tell all of us it has nothing to do with us. Let's see this paragraph. Let's continue about the Bainani. The Bainani has never committed, nor ever will commit, any transgression. Neither can the name wicked be applied to him even temporarily, or even for a moment throughout his life. We just finished the second paragraph, page 48. I want to read that, that, the last four lines of the second paragraph again. The Bainani, he, has never committed, nor ever will commit, the past and future, any transgression. Okay, that would take me out. But not only that, neither can the name wicked be applied to him, even temporarily. If you remember, we learned in previous chapters that you're called wicked if you don't protest against someone doing something negative. If you see something negative and you don't stand up for what's right, you're called wicked. We went through a whole slew of items. The Benini has never even had the title wicked for a moment throughout his life. Okay, so whoever's still in, raise your hand. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm here. <laughs> Are you going to be talking about this in terms of the Mashiach later on tonight? Or next week or something? Let, let's hold that, that thought. Please remind me at the end. Okay. If someone sinned, then they can't be obeying any anymore. So now we got an issue. We started off saying everyone could be obeying any. Now, unfortunately, it looks like 
Not everyone's still in. So let's look at footnote number two. And we'll read it slowly. Three points footnote number two shares with us. Though the Baini has never committed a sin in his life, he is still not deemed a tzaddik as long as his natural impulses have, ne have not been completely sublimated, as explained further in this chapter. Step number one we, we need to know is that a tzaddik is not someone who never sinned. A tzaddik is not someone who does Torah and mitzvot. That is a Bainani. A Bainani. You're not called an awesome person for listening to what the Torah says. You're not called the most amazing person for doing Torah and mitzvot. That's an average person. Each one of us is expected to not sin and do what the Torah says. A tzaddik is what we discussed two chapters prior. Like Melissa. A tzaddik. Where the evil is completely non-existent. That's right. I got the right person. That's right. I got the right person. <laughs> I'm glad you figured it out. <laughs> You're just not one of the hidden it's ones. It's on record. <laughs> <laughs> so a, the tzaddik is someone who the evil is non-existent. The bainani is someone who the evil is still there. Continues. The footnote number two. On the other hand, past offenses need not preclude one from attaining the rank of bainani. If there was proper repentance. Punchline. The Bainani, we're not saying the Bainani is someone who has never sinned. We're saying the Bainani is someone today who has never sinned. Because he's had his sins forgiven. His sins are non-existent anymore. They've been washed away. <clears throat> to explain... We, a Russia, we learned, is not someone who does bad. It's someone who the bad is able to overpower him. Even without doing bad. If the bad is able to actively overpower you today, then in terms of your essence, you would be called a Russia. The Bainani is someone who today, the bad cannot overpower him. He is in a position today where the bad won't overpower him today or the future. So when we say the Bainani never sinned, that means in his current position, today, he never sinned. We're able to look at you as you are today. Again, we're not saying that you've never sinned in your life, we're saying that you've made up for that sin, and today you are in a situation where you will never, will you, where you will never sin. Are there any questions? Fantastic question. How do you know that you will never sin? Yeah. Throughout the next few chapters, we're going to discuss that. It's a good question. <laughs> it's a fantastic question. Rabbi, there's an important point, however. Yes, please. For one who, uh, for one who willfully indulges in such thoughts is cleaned a rasha at such time. He could have been a Benoni, he's a Rasha then, and then he could cease to be a Rasha. It's not a permanent state. And I think that's really important. You don't become permanently evil or permanently uh, Benoni. It's something to, on which 
you should constantly contemplate and to which you should continually strive if I get the purpose of this. Right, right. In other words, the Bainani is a level where you could be a Bainani today and unfortunately, yes, you can slip. But it means at the time you were a Bainani, it was an active feeling. It wasn't a temporary feeling. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. If you're in shul and you're not sinning, and you leave shul and then, you go, and then someone sins, they weren't a Bainani while they were in shul. They were just controlling their evil impulse, impulse while, they, while they were in shul. But if you're in shul... Sometimes even then it's hard. If you're in shul and you've made an active decision to, to make up for any past deed, and right now you are, you have, you are completely in control of yourself, for now and for the future, you're a Bainani. Can a Bainani slip? Yes. Not only could a Bainani slip, unfortunately a Tzaddik can also slip. Anyone know a Tzaddik that has slipped? Does anybody know a Tzaddik? Oh, oh yeah. I'm talking about a real Tzaddik. I'm talking about a real Tzaddik. I'll, I'll give you the classic example that, that the Gemara discusses. There was a Kohen Gadol who served for 80 years. 80 years! And now if you were an improper Kohen, then when you would go into the Holy of Holies, you would never come out alive. 80 years he went inappropriately and came out appropriately. At, at that point, after serving for 80 years, he became a heretic. He was truly a tzaddik. He really was a tzaddik. So yes, it is, it is possible to, God forbid, make a decline. But nonetheless, at the time that you, were, you are a Bainani, back to our conversation here, at the time you are a Bainani, you are actively a Bainani forever. Any questions? I have a question just about how do you know, like, how does the evilness, like, inside the Bainani, like, how is that, if it's not in thought, speech, or action, like, if, you, if you're having some kind of, like, inner conflict to choose not to sin, then wouldn't you have to have a thought that's evil and then you're not a banner, you know? Fantastic question. Thanks for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The, the truth is, I, we will discuss that at length, but I'd like to discuss that for a moment. We can't really continue without it. How do we say there's bad if there's no evil thought, speech, or action? If someone sees an inappropriate sight, at the time they think they see it, even if, some, even if the desire comes up within their mind, that's not called an evil thought, if they push it away right away. That's just called the evil is currently active. An evil thought would be where you see something inappropriate and you think about it, you dwell on it. That's called an evil thought. So what do I mean when I say that there's evil active? I mean that this person, when he may see things that are going to awaken within him a real desire to do bad. They may awaken within him a real love for something inappropriate. But, the second it awakens, the Bainani says, you know what? I'm not going to do it. There's no con it's not like there's a, bi a big fight. He's able to take control right away. So that, that, perfect. <laughs> you still need to come next week. <laughs>
the Bainani, this average person, like Yishai, we have a Tzadik and now we have the Bainani, like Yishai, the average person, there is one time during the day where the evil is not active. There is a time during the day where he is like the Tzadik. What is this part of the day? Which part of the day is the most sublime, the holiest part of the day? Mincha is the specific prayer, good. But as a whole, prayer is the one time that in a way we run away from reality. Yeah, you know, we, you wake up. You thank God for waking you up. You thank God for waking you up before you have a minute to do evil. Absolutely. And that is, it's, it's so holy that you don't even have to wash your hands to say the Moda'ani. Oh. It's, it's, but, nonetheless, as a whole, we're going to say that prayer is this time where we were able to separate from the world and really focus in on ourselves. Tefillah comes from the word to judge. Comes from the word what? To judge. Pilel. To judge. Part of tefillah is to look within us. Okay. When we dive in, we're looking within. We're looking to become a better person. And at that time, the, the average person is able to completely remove any negative thoughts. And yes, that's one of the reasons why we have the Mechitza. Because if we're here for, to really look within ourselves, if we're here to connect with Hashem, then we need to make sure there's no distractions. Let's see that inside. We're going to see the time of day when the average person is completely able to separate himself from evil. The, the evil is, we're able to negate the evil at that time. However, third paragraph, page 48, however, the essence and being of the divine soul, remember, the, the garments of the divine soul, they win over the animalistic soul. The godly soul always wins over the animalistic soul of the Bainani. When it comes to the garments, thought, speech, and action. But inwardly, within the essence of the godly soul and animalistic soul, they're both equally active. Can anyone remind me, what is the essence of a person? We spoke about this earlier in Tanya. What makes up the essence of the soul? The spark of Hashem. But how many parts are there to this soul that we discussed? We said there's the Eser Sifirot. The ten different levels of the soul. Those ten levels of the godly soul are as active as the animalistic soul. When it comes to thought, speech, and action, the godly soul wins. But the, the ten attributes, the love for good and for bad, are equally active. The wisdom of good and bad are equally active. Let's see that inside. However, third paragraph, page 48, however, the essence and being of the divine soul, which are its ten faculties, do not constantly hold undisputed sovereignty. When it comes to the essence, no. The godly soul is not the only one that's there. Do not constantly hold undisputed sovereignty and sway over the small city. No, 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 there's a city. And there's two, there's two judges equally active. Ex 
except at appropriate times. There are times during the day where the godly soul has complete power. Within the average person. That, is, that means that yes, all of us have the ability during a certain time of day to have complete control within them. Such as during the recital of the Shema or the Amidah. In Shema, could anyone find within Shema the words that tell us we need to focus on God, the words that tell us we need to love God, and the words that tell us we need to serve God? Again, focus, love, and serve. The Ahavta is love God. Where does it say to serve God? Or let's go to the first one. Where does it say we need to focus on God in Shema? Shema. The first words. Shema. Shema Yisrael. Hero Israel. The mitzvah of Shema Yisrael. We need to be able to contemplate on God. Yeah, that's Shema Yisrael. Then we have Yahavta. Ahavta means we need to love God. So we've used our brain, focus. We've used our brain within Shema. We're thinking about God. Viahafta, we're using our heart, loving God. And then, a big focus of Shema is mitzvot. Vidibar tabam, you should learn Torah. Ukshartam laos al yodecha, you should tie the tefillin on your hand. Ukshartam al mezuzot beisecha, you should put up the mezuzah. So within the Shema, we have, using our mind, using our heart, an action within service of Hashem. And at that time, there is a special energy from Hashem. It's really amazing. We don't daven in the morning, afternoon, and evening in specific times just because. The time of davening is an extremely special time. When we are davening, we are davening at that time because there is something special happening, with it, happening in heaven. One of the rabbis, he was imprisoned for spreading Judaism and the government, they wanted to drive him crazy. And they put him in a room with no windows and they tried to play with his mind mixing up times. Basically, they didn't want him to know what time it was. And yet, he always knew the time. So the guards asked, they said, what's going on here? They said, how do you know? You always, we always see you. You're davening mincha always at the right time. You, you still know what's going on. How do you know? And he shared, he said, it's simple. Every hour of the day, there's a different energy of Hashem serving that hour. And I want to tell you that this idea that every hour of the day a different energy serves is a halacha, is an active halacha. Not only is it a halacha in the Torah, it's actually a halacha that is going to start to be most active this Friday night. Anyone familiar with what I'm referring to? This Friday night, this, Friday night, this, this halacha will, will become most active. Which halacha is this? Between the hour of 6 and 7, we're not supposed to make Kiddush on Friday nights. What's between the hour of 6 and 7? Well, the answer is that during this hour of 6 and 7, what energy comes, and this is a clear halacha in the Shulchan Aruch, 
says clearly that many people have the custom not to make Kiddush between 6 and 7. Not everyone holds of it. So some people may not... It is our custom within Chabad and within many communities. Um, again, that we, we follow this halacha not to make Kiddush between 6 and 7 p.m. Why? Because 6 to 7 p.m., which one of the zodiacs rules the world? Says the Gemara, Jupiter. Jupiter, what's Jupiter called in Hebrew? Ma'adim. Ma'adim. Ma'adim could also come from red, it could come from blood. It's a negative energy, and therefore we don't want to make Kiddush during that hour. So, getting back to the discussion at hand, what I did want to share is that every hour has a special energy. And every hour has a specific attribute it brings to this world. And the time of prayer... That's my question. The time of prayer is a special time, and special things are happening in heaven. We'll discuss that momentarily. Yes, please. Just this coming Shabbos? No. Every it, Shabbos? Every Shabbos. Now, the reason I said it starts this Shabbos is because with daylight savings time, it becomes very applicable. It's not always 6 to 7. During the summer, it's actually 7 to 8. 7 to 8. Then why on the Chabad calendar with the candlelight in the time that isn't done in the calendar? I, I don't think it is. I, 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 I use that calendar all the time. So we're discussing only only making kiddush. Candle lighting is always right. going to be according to the calendar. Yeah, it's only candle lighting that's on the calendar. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, yes, Kiddush. and the Lachem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to note, though, that this is only regarding wine. This custom not to make Kiddush on wine. Again, I want to reiterate. I was just going to say, it'll explain why when I come here for Kabbalah Shabbat services, I'll find myself heading home alone. Whereas most of the shluchim will be hanging around here for some mysterious reason. Yes, this will explain why sometimes we'll dive in very fast. When, it, when the time gets closer, you'll see we're diving very fast to get home before 6. And then when it's late, we're in no rush. We're waiting 6 to 7. I do want to, it's very fascinating, and I'm actually very happy for one of my students here to, here to listen to this. Within Judaism, just today I had a conversation with one of our general studies teachers. General studies is not a non-Jewish thing. It is a Jewish thing. To know astronomy, to know geography, all of these things play into Judaism a tremendous amount. Let me give you an example. I just shared with you about the zodiacs. A very, something that again has a practical application. But within that, it's even more fascinating. When I said the zodiac is between 6 and 7, that's not true. The zodiac of Jupiter, of Madim, is between 6 and 7 only if you're at the beginning of the time zone. Oh, so we're three hours different. Within each time zone, there's 24 different times through, throughout the globe. Oh, oh, oh. It's a very technical thing. It will take one moment. If you would be at the beginning of the time zone when the hour... So then it would be one hour from between 6 and 7 sharp. You wouldn't make Kiddush. But we are not at the exact beginning. So in Oregon, in, in Portland, it's actually the planet Jupiter has energy from 6.09 to 7.09. 
because we're a little bit in. So I did want to share it. It, it is really amazing to know that um, everything we learn has practical applications. So, how does Jupiter get involved in this? <laughs> Astronomy. There's, there's, I mean, couldn't it have been Venus? <laughs> there are different, there's 12 different zodiacs. Okay. The Mazalot. And they all, they're all constantly, have, they all have one, they're on a 12 hour rotation. From the beginning of the week to the end of the week. The 12 zodiacs, one of them controls every hour of the day, and then they c continue. I know. Well, I don't know what they're doing all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, what you've just described, is this a halacha for, for Hasidim? No. For, for it's Orthodox? Saying, huh? I will share with you, it's not for everyone, not everyone follows, has this custom. There are different customs. Even within the Shulchan Aruch there are different customs. So I am not telling you that you need to follow this halacha. I will tell you, if you come to my house, we will not make kids between 609 and 709, and let me, let me clarify that up front. But I am not telling you that's what you need to do. You're welcome to talk to me afterwards to come to a conclusion. But as a whole, you, do, you should be aware that there is this halacha that some people follow. Wait, so is it in Shulchan Aruch? Yes. But even within Shulchan Aruch, there are different customs. Okay. That we need so, to so it could be done before 609 or after 709? Yes. Okay. Yes. According, if you follow this Your opinion. And it's because it's Jupiter's turn to it, rule that hour. hour Something. You know, I'll, I'll share with you. Let me, let me, I went into this. I'll share the halacha. I'll tell, let me tell you the original. Okay, we're, we're in Hilchot Shabbat. Chapter 271. I'm sorry, what was the first one? Hilchot Shabbat, Laws of Shabbos. Chapter 271, mm -hmm. Section 3. From Shulchan Aruch And I'll read it in Hebrew and translate. Yeish Nizharim, some are careful. Shalom Kadesh. Not to make Kiddush, the first hour of the night. What is the definition of the first hour of the night? This is the seventh hour from midday, between six and seven o'clock. Ella, when do they make Kiddush? Before six o'clock. Tochalayla, or after seven o'clock. Lefi, because why don't we make kiddush then? This hour, the mazal, the zodiac of madim of Jupiter controls, and who is in control of Jupiter? Angels usamal Moshela love. Samal, the angel Samal is in control of Jupiter. I thought that's the angel you're not supposed to say out loud. Could be. I'm, I'm not familiar. Can you see the chapter and page again, please? Chapter 271. 
section 3. But, but why did I bring this back in? Again, I brought this in, and, and sorry, to go back to the halacha, it says some are careful. That's what I said. Not you, if it's not your custom, I'm not at all telling you you need to take it. I brought it, I brought it here as an example of a practical application where we see that every hour of the day has special energy within it. Back to our conversation. So, when we daven, there is special energy. What is happening at the time we daven? At the time we daven, the mind of Hashem, so to speak, is active. In Hebrew, it's called mochin de gadlut. The mochin. The brain, the intellect of God, so to speak, that is the energy that is shining. Now, if Hashem's intellect is shining, it's easiest for us to use our mind at the very same time. Again, the time of davening is a time when Hashem's intellect is illuminating. There are times when Hashem's, um, when Hashem's feelings are most activated. The time of davening is a time when Hashem's intellect is activated. And that time is a special time for, for, for us to activate our intellect. Therefore, when we pray, we have the power to completely control our negative feelings. Remember, we said, the Bainani has real bad within him, but he's able to completely control it during prayer. Why? Because during the time of prayer, God's intellect is activated, which allows our intellect to have special energy to completely overpower the evil. Let's see this inside, and then we'll take any questions. Third paragraph. Well, let's start over from the beginning of the third paragraph. However, the essence and being of the divine soul, which are its ten faculties, do not constantly hold undisputed sovereignty and sway over the small city. No! The godly soul does not constantly control the, godly, the small city. Except at appropriate times, such as during the recital of the Shema or the Amidah. Why? Because Shema Amidah, which is a time when the Mochin, the supernal intellect, is in a sublime state. Footnote number four, Mochin de Gadlut, the supernal Sefirot of Chachma, Bina, Da'at, Chabad, are in a state of greatness. When we are saying Shema, when we are saying Shmona Ezrei, God's Intellect, so to speak, is in a state of grayness. And therefore, continues Tanya, last line of the right of the left column, and likewise below. This is a special time for every man, every person, when he binds his Chabad, his intellectual faculties to, to God. At the time when God's intellect is activated, it's a time for us to use our intellectual faculties to God to meditate deeply on the greatness of the Ain Sof. Blessed is He. What better time to think about Hashem at a time when His intellect is activated? And when we think about Hashem, what's going to happen, continues Atanya, that's going to arouse the burning love in the right part of His heart. Your intellect is aroused. That's now created a love for Hashem. And what's that love for Hashem going to do? It's going to create a desire to cleave to Him. To cleave to God. And how do we connect with Hashem as we discussed earlier in the Tanya and previous chapters? How do you connect? How do you unite with Hashem? 
by virtue of the fulfillment of the Torah and its commandments out of love. If we're going to go ahead and think about God at this time, and therefore we're going to give birth to love of Hashem, which will, which will want to make us serve God. So the best time to do it is at the time of Shema. And this is the essential aspect of the Shema. This very idea of thinking about God, loving God, and doing what God wants. That is the Shema. As we showed earlier, we say Shema Yisrael, think about God, via have to love God, and then we talk about doing the mitzvot. It's all there. The recital of which is enjoined by the Torah. The Torah tells us we need to say the Shema. And not only does the Shema allow us to connect with Hashem fully because Hashem's intellect is also in a state of greatness. But then the rabbis enacted the blessings of the Shema. The blessings of the Shema. What, what are we saying in the blessings of, of the Shema? We talk about the angels. The seraphim. We say how they say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Baruch, Kivod, Hashem, Mimakomo. These blessings of the Shema. Footnote number seven. Reference is made here to the text of the blessing in the daily prayer, which are designed to inspire surrender and ecstasy. The blessings of the Shema put us in a sense where we're able to give ourselves over to God. So the blessings of the Shema allow us to give ourselves over to God. Then we come to Shema itself and we connect with God. At this time, the Bainani has full control of the bad. Let's continue that inside. We said this is the essential aspect of the Shema, the recital of which is enjoined by the Torah, and of the blessings which precede and follow it, which are a rabbinical enactment. The latter being the preparation for the latter, meaning the blessings of the Shema being the preparation for the fulfillment of the recital of the Shema, as is explained elsewhere. So the blessings of the Shema put us into the mood for the Shema. And at this time, at such time, when we're involved, when we're connected with Hashem, at such time, the evil in the left part is, is subjected to and nullified in the goodness that is diffused in the right part. It's amazing. The right part of our heart is a godly soul. The left part is the animalistic soul. The godly soul during prayer is so overpowering that it goes ahead and it nullifies the evil from the wisdom, understanding and knowledge, Chabad in the brain, which are bound to the greatness of the Ein Sof, blessed is he. So during prayer, we're fully connected with God. We, the Bainani, each and every one of us, has the ability to completely overpower the bad. However, after prayer, here comes the shocker, after prayer you've been in a state of ecstasy when the state of sublimity of the intellect of the angel of the blessed as he departs, you've, been, you've connected to God, you had this amazing experience, the evil in the left part reawakens and he begins to feel a desire for the lusts of the world and its delights. This is the life of the Bainani. Kafakela. You're in, you're in synagogue, you're in shul. You are completely in it. You are truly in it. You have completely nullified the evil. And then you walk out into the world. 
and a new reality hits you. The evil reawakens. You ever have that experience? You have something on your mind? You go somewhere? You relax? Get, then the second you walk out of that place, <clears throat> it hits you back in the face. Never happened to you, David, before. <laughs> the the Bainani, he's in show. He is in show. He's not looking at his cell phone. He's not schmoozing. He's in show. He is focused. But when he walks out, again, the evil reawakens. This is the life of the Bainani. Is this feeling like you? If not, you probably at Sadiq. <laughs> Yes. I don't know where I got it, but I thought, in addition to love, at the same time, you're supposed to fear Hashem. Absolutely. But Absolutely. This, it yeah. doesn't seem like Sandra, you're challenging me today. Oh. You want to know chapter 41 of Tanya? Right, that's like. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 41. <laughs> 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 chapter Chapter Forty One of Tanya discusses that very point. Then, of course, but no, I want to say it's a fantastic question, and to to cl to clarify Sandra's question, of course, I don't mean only love of God. You certainly also have to have fear of God. In our context, I'm just mentioning love, but love and fear currently, let's just say it's together. Thanks for bringing that up. Let's summarize what we've learned and take questions. We've learned that there is the average person. The average person has good and bad that are both active. But the good over, always overpowers the reality. The reality of thought, speech, and action. Are, the good is always going to overpower. Is the bad there? Is it existent? Will evil thoughts come into your mind? Will, evil, will negative desires come into your heart? Yes. But do you, do you control them? Yes, again. Is there a time period where the Bainani fully controls the evil and the evil is not active? Yes. During prayer. During prayer, the Bainani is in shul and the evil is completely nullified. It is there, but it is nullified. You won't hear it talking if you're focused <clears throat> appropriately. No sooner does it reach there than he thrusts it out with both hands and averts his mind from it. The instant he becomes aware that it is an evil thought, refusing to accept it willingly, not even allowing himself willingly to think it, and certainly not to entertain any idea of putting it into effect. Exactly. So the evil does exist, but the moment it comes to his mind, he gets rid of it. Thank you, David. I assume you're not talking about this, David. <laughs> Our task next week is going to be to discuss how do we have the power to overpower the evil? To overpower the evil. If the evil is active, and the good is active, and we've said they're both equally active. So where does the godly soul, where do you, where do we get the energy to always be victorious in this fight? And remember, before we leave, let's not forget, we started off the class, and we will finish the class. 
and we will start the Tanya, we will finish the Tanya with one point. This is something that each and every one can do, and it's a quote from the Torah. Ki it's exceedingly close for each and every one of us to be on this level. If you don't understand, ask Moshe Mandel. Yes, Basha. The intellect is supposed to have control over the heart. <laughs> That's next week. <laughs> 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 the mind controls the heart is next week. Okay. Yes, yes. I thought that's what we were reading just here, just now. Where, where did you see that? In that last paragraph that you read, just above that, before it says that. Um, mm-hmm. um, we're going to get to it next oh, week. Okay. Thank you. Any, any other? Time. I think it's at the at such time okay. sentence. Wow. Because they're talking about the left part and the right part. At such time, the evil is, sub- is subjected to a nullified in the goodness. Right. But, but correct. We say that it's, the evil is subjected is nullified, but we haven't explained why. We haven't explained this point that you mentioned that the mind okay. overpowers the heart. Are there any concluding questions? Okay, we'll conclude with one observation. Yes, David. There are two things I hope I'm not being presumptuous, but you need to note, I see, I think, uh, based upon what I've studied, the constant references to light, which has an extremely important role in Chabad, in that it is not talking merely about the physical aspect of the light, but the light as it is described by the Arizal in the ability to uh, deflect evil. And the other thing is an anthrop is a uh, a um, uh, a um, uh, um, uncovering of the floor of several old synagogues in Israel, and on the floor in the mosaic are zodiacs. Yeah, yeah. So um, they are there because they exist within the scientific and cultural context of the time, and uh, that was the reality at the time. So while we take it, whether we take it literally or figuratively, they would not have been on the floors of the shul if they were not a valid uh, inclusion. Yeah, but people walked on them, you know. I don't think it was that they are sacred in and of themselves. Yeah, no, that's been a controversy for millennia. And that's one of the things that allows you to walk your talk. I mean, just to talk about the mazalot, the zodiacs, they're they're completely real, but people don't talk about it. Because they are called Maiseveratius. They are called the story of creation, which is something that as a whole we don't talk about unless it's, uh, there's clarity in what's being discussed. Uh, there's actually the Gemara in, in, in Chagiga tells us uh, rules about how we're allowed to talk about Maiseveratius. So um, it's something, yes, it is something active. And I'll just give you one last example where you see this. We all know the blessing. There's a blessing you make every 28 years. Anyone familiar with blessing? We just added. Which for what blessing? What blessing do we only make once every 28 years? Something to do with the sun. The sun. We make a blessing on the sun. And part of this blessing on the sun being exactly in the same place. We, every 28 years, the sun is in the exact same position, exact same time as it was when the world was created. A lot of that has to do with 
the zodiac playing in, the Gemara discusses it, etc. Yeah, yeah. But didn't we just have it a short time ago? A few years ago. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so,